Welcome to Top Deck Insight, our podcast on all things Magic the Gathering. I'm Sam, followed by my co-host Josh and Sarah. We're three friends who love MTG, and we've created this podcast to share our experience with you. If you like what we do, you can find us on Twitter and YouTube at Top Deck Insight. We also have a website, topdeckinsight.co.uk. Now let's get into the episode. What have you guys been doing in the last week in Magic? Have either of you been playing? And uh, if so, what have you been up to? Well, I have built and finally played my new commander deck. Um, you guys have both seen it. Mm-hmm. It is Emoti Celebrant of Bounty. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so Emoti is a five mana, costs three blue green. So she, I think it's a she. Uh, she she's a cascade deck essentially she gives all of my creatures with no all of my spells with mana six or greater cascade um so it's a really fun deck it effectively plays a bunch of ramp uh plays big spells uh cascades off of them the idea of the deck was to build like well the first thing i wanted to do was build a budget deck yeah so it every, every card that i put into it is no more than a pound and the deck list is in total like 27 pounds um and it's really powerful it's really fun to play uh, yeah, I don't want to go into it too much, but yeah, it's a good new deck that I've been playing. Really enjoy it. Uh, new addition it to the collection. It is cool, and it's, it's in, cool. you know, underrated um, Simic colours. Underrated, yeah. Nobody <laughs> plays those. Yeah, so well done for making Simic work. Uh, yeah, oh my god, it's such a weak colour. It's the Almost. first Simic in our playgroup, though, It right? is the first to Simic, yeah. Well, so that is true. <laughs> That's because we all hate Simic. Yeah, yeah um, but... My band deck's basically Simic, mm-hmm. really. Um, I suppose... No, uh, no, it's not. I wouldn't say so. I don't think you could do without some of the white spells. But it is... Like what? Well, all of your flicker spells are mostly white. Right, thank you. Thank you, Sammy. Um, a lot of them are blue. Yeah, but mostly. But yeah, I guess Simic Flicker would work. I think you're right. I think Flicker is more of a white mechanic, like the actual. A blue... I would say blue-white white is the base of that deck, as yeah. opposed to blue-green. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um... I really like the new deck though. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Cascade is something that I've been thinking about building for quite a while. Uh, like I feel like every deck that I've built has been between like Cascade and what I ended up building. Mm. Uh, so I really like Cascade, uh, and I I really like Coconut and Chocolate as well. So I'm right there with Emoti celebrating the bounties. Oh God's sake! Bounties <laughs> aren't even good. Bounties are great. Nah, well, pretty lame. vegan versions of bounties, which if anybody knows any, let me know. <laughs> At Top Deck Insight. <laughs> they like must that. have known what they were doing with the card, right? Bounties are That's... in celebrations. But are bounties... Emoti s- celebration of bounty? I don't think so. I really don't think so that's what they were going for. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would, uh, I would bet. I would wager. Would you like to wager? They, they were. Should we Should call yeah. up the artist yeah. <laughs> or the original card design designer? <laughs> um. No, it's a celebrant of bounty because it's like, isn't it like a Theros card or like an old Theros card? And it's like the champions and celebrating the champions yeah. and stuff and the gods. And, yeah, well, um, and obviously that seems more likely than <laughs> her celebrating that she has a party and everybody takes all the chocolate but bounties, but that's okay because she likes bounties. Mm-hmm. Um, now so I'm thinking specific. I should play Coco mm-hmm. in that deck, mm. which is collected company. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> so we're just we're just we're cascading into different topics here. Oh god! <laughs> is this uh, this is the worst episode? Yeah. yeah. Does does hey people like make you guys make awful puns? Is that like a side effect? Uh, no, that's just how we are. Yeah, that's hey fever. I feel like it's amped up though. It feels more. Maybe. I feel drained by your puns. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe, have maybe it's lowering your tolerance to our puns. What is? Your hay fever. Uh, maybe you've got hay fever. Maybe yeah. the plants have turned against nope, you. Nope, as we have discussed, plants love me. I just told a fly to leave and it left. Plants, animals, yeah, insects, Yeah, because it hates you so me. much that it was like, yeah. oh my god, I guess they I... love I, me. Thank, thank god she's yeah. kicked me out. It probably uh, just realised you were in the room and left. The animals love me. <laughs> you know, I'm going on our runs, all the squirrels. There are a lot of squirrels <laughs> in Milton Keynes at the moment. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are loads. Yeah. So you may not have noticed this, Sam, because you don't, you go, outside. don't go outside. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot <laughs> of uh, there are a lot of squirrels in Milton Keynes at the moment. I don't know what's going on, but there well, are they did just, just tons. print squirrels in Modern Horizons too. This yeah, is, maybe this is a we've conspiracy. We've made this joke a couple of times, haven't we? We've been oh, running. Man. So Sammy, if you came outside, well, we've never made it on air. <laughs> No, uh, and so, it was my joke. Original, they're yeah. just lying. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we just pretend that this is the first time we've talked about any of this stuff. Okay, ha ha ha, so ha, funny, ha, ha. Sammy. Yeah, original so- insight. Oh god. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the point of this episode? Yeah, what, what's going on? Um, I do have a plan for this episode. We'll yeah. get to it. Thank God. So something else that we did this week uh, that I want to talk to you guys about is we introduced a new person to magic. Yes, um, yes we, did. we had somebody come along to our Friday night and uh, taught them how to play. And so I want to talk to you guys about learning magic and how you found it as a new player um, and how you learn to play and what you think the approach that you take uh, if you were to teach somebody how to play magic would mm-hmm. be. Uh, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about new player experience. Now, first things first, uh, the approach that I decided to take was I whipped up like five basic kind of like game nights decks, uh, monocolored decks, one of each color, uh, which mm. kind of, in my opinion, um, uh, tr- sort of communicated a little bit how the color pie works, what to expect from different colors, yeah. at, at least a little bit. It's similar um, to like the arena one, mm-hmm. where you have the first yeah. five colors, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we just played those, uh, you know, uh, so we went over the basic rules and then we just jumped into some games. The first game we played open hand. Um, And then from then uh, we played normal games of magic uh, and just switched decks constantly uh, Mm -hmm. and started churning through and and trying to force a bunch of different scenarios um, to so that we had loads of different you know, um, opportunities to explain how different rules and stuff would work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it was pretty effective. Uh, what would, what do you guys think? How, first off, how did you learn to play magic? And then, uh, second, how would you teach someone else? What would be your approach? Well, I learned, so on, on the podcast previously, we have sort of come at arena for its terrible <laughs> tutorial interface and stuff. But I will still say it is a good beginner tutorial. Like, if you've never played Arena before, if you've never played Magic, it is really good because it, it teaches you how to cast your spells, it teaches you everything about mana and all the different card types. Um, and it's, you know, because it, it's digital and accessible and it's free, um, it's really easy to recommend it to someone. Just, yeah, just download the client, play it, give it a go. And that's how I got into it. Um, because I remember you bought me my deck and then I went straight to Arena, started grinding out until I could build that deck on Arena mm. and then started Aww. grinding the deck on Arena and then I bought it to F&M. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Arena was the way that I kind of learned to play the game. And I think it is good because it is beginner friendly, um, lots of nice visuals and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a decent way to get into the game. I think that's a really, really good point and I completely agree that to its credit, Arena is very good for teaching people how to play Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, the tutorial is, honestly, yeah, it is solid. Mm-hmm. I don't really like introducing new players to Arena because of the kind of uh, because of the economy. But yeah. as a new game or as a new player learning Magic, I do think Arena is really good. Um, I also think that only matters to people who are really experienced with the game. Mm-hmm. At some point, if <laughs> Uh, a new player to Arena gets into it to the point where they're spending so much money on it. Like, it, I can you can you say like Arena's like a trap? Well, like a money uh, trap. Okay, I don't think so, so I would, but that is the way that I view these things. Like everything about Arena is designed to get you hooked on the game and yeah. get you playing it and spending more that's money. True, yeah. That is unfortunately the truth. But that's how um, magic, but, paper magic works as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and, and I, I, most things work that way. And so I'm a little bit hesitant to recommend it to new players uh, for that reason, but I, I, but I still would because mm. I do think it's the, you know, it is free and it's the cheapest and easiest way to learn magic. Um, and even if you're fairly experienced, you know, playing online, playing arena helped me visualize the phases and stuff yeah. in a way that I couldn't do before and visualize how the stack works um, 
in a way that I never really grasped before that on in Paper Magic. Mm. Um, and often now when I'm trying to figure out how a rule interaction would work, I kind of ask myself in my head, how would it work in Arena? And that often helps me answer the question, like how would, it, how would all of these things interact mm -hmm. in Arena? Uh, and that does that does really help. So I, I completely agree. I think that Arena is actually a really good way to learn to play Magic. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? How did you learn? Um, well, I no one really taught me. So we being oh, that explains so much. Let me, <laughs> let me finish. <laughs> yeah. Me and you, Josh and Jordan, went to our local game store, Top Deck Inn. Mm -hmm. And I, like a kid at a restaurant, bought the Switch with me because I wasn't intending on playing. <laughs> I was just going to hang out and see people. So after playing Mario Kart, which I'm great at, um, better than Josh, I was watching, it was Mikey playing like a mono black, like vampire zombies is what it was to me at the time. Mono black undead. Yeah. Various undead. And I was just like, hey, that looks pretty cool. And he's like, yeah. do you want to have a go? So I had a go. There you go. And I feel like that having a go is my... How I've continued with magic. So how did you sort of learn the rules of magic? What, didn't. When did that didn't. Didn't. <laughs> Beat you to it. <laughs> didn't learn. Yeah, at some point you would have been like... I think just playing with Josh. Just playing. Uh, yeah. yeah, we never... So what you described what you did with Jaden, I think is a really good way to do it coupled with Arena. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that. Mm. I think I just played what, maybe with one of your decks for a bit. And then when you realised that I actually liked it then you very kindly bought me the Sorin planeswalker deck from m20 mm. uh, yeah m20. yeah m20 nice nice good memory and that was it i don't i no, didn't really learn i didn't pick up arena for ages yeah like ages ages well you only recently did the color challenge well i saw i did have it before <laughs> and i think i did the old color challenge which wasn't 25 million games mm -hmm. played it a little bit 25 games <laughs> it feels like 25 million yeah well, and if, then, if you lose multiple times I can't do with both of you today. I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> I expect it from Josh but Sammy come on we're supposed to be friends I apologise um, what was I saying yeah I barely played it so then when I picked up again it basically forgot that I'd ever played it before so I had to play all the colour challenges again which mm. I think is where the hate for Arena came from yeah, on the podcast is because we all knew how to play Magic so when I explained what I had to do yeah. it felt ridiculous yeah, I think that's it. Like, because we, because I had to do the color challenge as well. Um, for some, I think during one of the updates, and it is boring because I there was no skip option, and I know how to you play know the what game. To do, yeah. But but when you don't know how to play the game, I think the color challenge is fun because if you do if you do really enjoy the game, you want to you will be fine playing those five games with the different colors, exploring what all the colors yeah. do because you have no experience of it so i think it is a decent tutorial for yeah i think you could play arena but having then... just heard of magic and never played it and understand what yeah. the colors do and how to play by the end of the color challenge which is the point yeah but i can imagine someone who's like learned strictly on paper for example and has played the game for like what a couple of months then goes to arena it's like oh i know all of this yeah there should yeah. there should be a skip there option should be a skip. but either way yeah so that's cool that's I interesting that's it. Mm -hmm. yeah what um, about you josh Oh, what uh, what what island? Yeah. Um, I think I did it the uh the old fashioned way. Like yeah. I went to a game store, uh, expressed an interest in magic. They had a guy, an employee there. So this was at Top Deck Inn, um, our local game store. Uh, they they have a guy there called Shay. He's great, uh, and he taught me. Uh, so he 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 kind of. It, he was there to teach new players yeah. um, how to play. And he taught me how to play um, with like a starter deck. And then I went and picked up like my first Planeswalker deck, which was the, it was like a Simic uh, Jace Arcane Strategist mm -hmm. Planeswalker yeah. deck from War of the Spark. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I then jumped into an FNM um, and I got absolutely pub stomped mm -hmm. uh, all night. Uh, my first match against somebody who wasn't teaching me how to play <laughs> was against the War of the Spark, uh, like, hardcore net-decked Esper control list yeah, with, like, friends. Teferi, Hero of Dominaria <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh, and Basilica Bellhorn, remember? Oh, like, man. that list, oh. yeah. Um, oh. And, uh, yeah, yeah, my opponent, like, ulted Teferi uh, and mm. they had the emblem, which meant that, what, whenever they 
cast a spell. Whenever if... they draw a card, they yeah. exile a permanent. Exile oh, permanent. God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. they were drawing cards, exiling all of my permanents, and then all my lands as well. And I had I I had literally nothing on my side of the board. But being so new, didn't I didn't realize. know yeah. that I was supposed to just concede. Um, so I played it out, I forced them to play it out. Yeah, that's um, what they get, though. Yeah. <laughs> they deserve they that, because that's, yeah, like, that's, that's what their lame decks do. Yeah. They have to win with them at some point. Um, yeah, so uh, that was how I learned it. It was kind of uh, jumping into the deep end. Yeah. I, I want to say, I was going to say being chucked into the deep end, but not really. Uh, like, I wouldn't really have had it any other way. Mm-hmm. I learned the basics of the game, and then I just jump in and start running at walls until mm-hmm. eventually something gives. Um, uh, still waiting for that. Oh, I was going to make that joke. I was waiting for you to stop talking. <laughs> I would say that if you if you're trying to teach a new player to play the game, if you've got the cards lying around, like a, a enough spare cards, then throw together some decks, uh, drill some games, let them keep mm-hmm. them, let them go away, and uh, yeah. and it was really easy to, for you to throw those decks together, right? You just picked out a bunch of your. Was it easy? You know, I don't. It wasn't actually. No, it wasn't. No. Um. It took hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and maybe you could do it easily, but I found it quite difficult not to overcomplicate the decks. Like, that makes sense. To try and stick to a theme, but not make it too good. Mm-hmm. Try and keep them fairly balanced, which I think I failed at. Yeah. Because um, the mono white deck was really strong. You had like unbreakable formation in I had there. like Ben Elish Marshall in there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was uh, probably a bit too strong. Uh, but yeah, it was hard to balance the decks, uh, to put interesting thematic cards in. Because mm-hmm. uh, you don't just want... I think if you've got a new player, you don't want to just... Um, when we look at cards, we often, I think... Or maybe you guys don't, but sometimes when I'm playing cards, I am looking at the stats. I'm looking at the abilities. Mm-hmm. And you'll see this when you watch high-level magic content. Sometimes people don't even know the names of the cards. They will refer to it like um, uh, Saral's Packmate. Um, I remember watching draft streams and people refer to it, referring to it as uh, uh, as the two mana three three cantrip mm. um, because they remember that they remember that those stats they remember what it's good for rather than the artwork or the name. Um, some spike energy that is. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I I get that I I. I like to look at the flavour of the cards, but I, I think that a new player needs to enjoy the theme as well. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to pick out cards that are cool and thematic uh, and aren't too complicated, you know, fairly simple mechanics, and you're trying to balance these decks. And I, honestly, I didn't find it very easy. I, it wasn't super, mm. super hard. Uh, but I would say it didn't take any... It, it didn't take much less time than just brewing a deck. Yeah. Mm. Um, the yeah, the, like uh, the only thing that that didn't take as long was that if if I'm if I'm brewing a deck, I will really ruminate on like, oh, is this better than this? Or I'll think about you know where the deck's going to be played and, and make a meta call. Mm. Uh, whereas with these decks, I kind of would start to think about that, and then I would think it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> I'll just make a decision. <laughs> yeah. uh, whereas if you're brewing a deck, it, it does, and so you can. Uh... But yeah, I, I didn't find it simple. Uh, I, okay. I don't think it was simple. And so for that reason, yeah, I would say that if I were to teach a new player how to play, a new new player. Mm-hmm. I would probably try to advise that they just go play arena first. Yeah. Mm. But that's not as fun, I don't think. No. Yeah. Like going to someone's house and, you know, getting the, the like takeaway style. and snacks and talking to people, being part of the energy and playing with paper cards. Yeah. And, and I think there is a, an experience to that that is very different to go online and, and basically do this training course, mm-hmm. you know, this online training yeah. course. It's not, you don't want to. Uh, you know, you don't want to take the spirit out of the game. So I'm not sure where I sit on it. I, I, I do think that the best way is uh, if you're introducing a new player, get him to an FNM, play with them for the night, and then send them away and tell them to download Arena and play through that. And then when they come back the next week, they'll be pretty much ready to go. Mm. Yeah, I should have played Arena then. I could have been playing in FNMs years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like you'd be playing in FNMs now if we if we want if we had FNMs, <laughs> which know, we don't some, anymore. Some of the people were quite scary. Scary. Yeah. 
Like scary good, not like scary people. Okay. Wait, are me and Sam not scary good? Hey. No. Sorry, can we just talk about the fact that Rin and Sari, which you said was shit, has like stomped all of you for weeks now? Yeah. Yeah, because we ignore it and then you ember cleave. <laughs> well, you'd think you'd learn by now not to ignore it. Which is well, why okay, well, let's, let's see. Maybe next yeah. time, because you've won yeah. so many recently, we're yeah. just going to target Maybe you. Maybe we won't. Yeah. Come on. I bet it doesn't happen because one of you two just immediately becomes annoying. Yeah. So then we will target one of you two. Maybe that's how we need to play. Maybe we just no, because then when I do that, I like we're too efficient, aren't we, Sam? Yeah, but then so because in in the last game we played on Friday when you were teaching uh, someone, we played a four-player game. Um, I was playing my new deck, uh, Emoti, and I feel like I got targeted because I played a ramp spell on turn three, and everyone else had played like creatures on turn one and two, and so I had nothing, and I just played. I think I played like a one-one like Farhaven up or something. Not the five, uh, uh, one one that ramps of what else. Yeah. Um, so everyone started like attacking me. So actually, let's be correct in this, Sam. Okay. What happened was, is we all played a couple of creatures, as you said, mm-hmm. and then you went in your annoying little voice. In you the do, jest. Oh, I wonder why I've not played any creatures. Maybe I've got a board wipe. So of course, and you you said that on your turn, then didn't board wipe because you you did end up board wiping, but the next turn, so maybe you did have maiden. Either way, so then you gave three people with creatures who thought they were going to lose them an obvious target to attack. No, but it was a joke. <laughs> There's no jokes in magic. I no matter what. My deck was going to... Because it's a Karuga deck. It has a Karuga companion, so it's going to be slow. Uh, no matter what, it's going to play something... It's not going to play anything but until turn three. Um, so I did my turn three play. And and then it was like... Wow, I don't have any creatures. Look how many creatures other people have. I wonder why I don't have any creatures. I wonder what I should do. <laughs> and we responded correctly, I think. Which yeah, was... Which was just a slam Got use out of our creatures before you... What did they just so, so what would you have, hand, so what would you? you have done instead? Would you have just not attacked anyone, even though I was all wide open? Depends. Maybe we'd like try a little bit of politics. I mean, I kind of always like to attack you first. Yeah, because I had nothing open. No, but just in general, because usually you have been annoying to me. That's fair. <laughs> See, every game. Nah, I don't know about <laughs> that. I think that. Um... I think it's fair to attack people who annoy you, but I don't think that that should transcend <laughs> games. No, but he does it every I think game. That each game should be a blank slate but when an- it comes to politics. He annoys me every game. This is, it happens <laughs> in response to him saying something shitty about one of my decks every time. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. If, if he manages, if he manages to piss you off every game, then yeah, fair play. Uh, Maybe that's my strategy. Is to just but I be think nice. I think when it comes to commander politics, it sh- you should start with a, a, yeah. a clean slate. I think every we game. do. Just sounds annoying every time. Yeah. Well, that being said, though, a lot of if you watch that game nights episode. Um, a lot of the time, people will be like, "Josh is going to do Josh." Yeah, Josh things. is going to yeah. do Josh yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Lee Quai is one of the hosts of Game Nights. Um, yeah, he's a great player, and he tends to build really powerful decks, and he will often do Josh, Josh things. things. Yeah. So, so what does that warrant? Like, they then they all warrant to attack him, and then like, yeah, then he might not even do Josh things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So it, it does. Maybe it is just a playgroup thing. I think yeah. it is, which is extent. fine. I think. Yeah. yeah. I think it is, and I think that you know, it's not a hard and fast rule that you should start with a blank slate. Yes, you can. Uh, I actually think that there are some cases where people will have more fun if you don't. Uh, you know, it can kind of be an in joke, yeah, kind mm. of deal. I was say, really, now... it depends on your player group, yeah. and you've just got to prioritize having fun over and making sure that you're not just you know shitting on someone constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, yes, yeah, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, target I think, you. To no, be you fair. don't. You don't. I think I just annoy you, you into attacking me. <laughs> I never had to do anything for you. No, you don't. But then, yeah, you don't. To be fair, but then don't annoy me. That's fair. Yeah. I think you just don't bring salt from a previous game. You can bring politics and everything. I like to politics create salt. Beyond, yeah, you do like to create salt. <laughs> it's funny though. It's content. Yeah, but then you get then you get annoyed when me and Maddie team up and just. I don't get annoyed. <laughs> give each other I, I, wish I get, I get over a little bit salty when when you because you and Maddie do team up every game. <laughs> you do, yeah. Well, we don't always proper proper team up. We just kind of allow each other more freedom to 
make our board. They, better. So Maddie runs Wishful Talisman, and we have they realized we have realized to the, <laughs> yeah. including on Friday, it has never gone to anyone but Sarah, <laughs> and and then Maddie. Like she says it to Sarah and to Maddie. Yeah. And well, maybe we should make a rule where it can't go back to this, the same person. Maybe we can... should make a rule that you can't talk. <laughs> All right, I'll still beat you. I don't think so. If I can't talk, you're not going to be able to know what any of my cards do because you don't read cards. This is true. Sam's Sorry. biggest Sorry, I don't read cards. Can we count the 50 million instances where you've oh, you've made your cards more, like, really OP and then you've gone, oh, no, wait, it isn't to tap fair, a creature every time I... Is if it's already tapped, I can't tap it. That is such a okay. Big all right, let's let's all let's just stop. <laughs> let's just everybody go get Break it up. go get a glass of cool, smooth orange juice to wash away some of this salt. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm going to move on to a new topic because uh, before you guys start throwing punches, <laughs> okay. Um, let's um. talk quickly about Post Malone uh, showing up yes. on game nights this week. Yes. So we had a little watch party for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that episode, we got uh, our little play group together and we ordered food and watched the game and uh, it was really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good game. It, it was, was a great game. Yeah, yeah it, it was, really it was a, a really good game of Commander. Um, what do what were you guys' impressions of the game and what do you think that this means for the Magic community seeing Post Malone get involved with a game like this? So it was it was really entertaining to see Posty um, in a kind of like a a non celebrity light I would say because yeah. yeah. a lot of his like see like he had like celebrity interviews and a lot of what you know of Posty is you know his his doing his music and things so seeing what he's like I thought like this is one of the first times you see what he's really sort of like as personality wise and he is fun he's a really mm-hmm. fun character um, he's a really cool guy seems really chill and he's brilliant at the game yeah and it was just it was an entertaining episode and what it means for the community obviously it does bring in a whole bunch of new people um if you look at his twitter there's so many people in the replies like, i have no idea what's going on but i really enjoyed watching this mm. and it's like it's good to see it's, yeah it's a very there's there's no like negative uh how can you say it? like it's only it's only a positive thing that he's done this yeah. i would say there's no there's no real like oh he's selling out or something yeah yeah um, because he's done it because he genuinely enjoys the game yeah he's he's been a patron uh for uh command zone for yeah, a while for a he reached time. out to them as a patron of theirs uh it's not like they them or wizards paid him a bunch of money to do it and so mm-hmm. that's uh that is celebrity involvement for the right reasons for me yeah uh, mm-hmm. but let me say this i don't really rate Post Malone. Okay. Like, I I so I don't I don't really rate celebrity or fame in general anyway. Like it just doesn't mean anything to me. Right. And I also uh, I'm I'm honestly I don't get the deal with Post Malone's music. Uh, okay. That a completely a... different discussion though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so uh, when I say that I really enjoy the episode and that um Post Malone is he, he has a really really good personality. Mm-hmm. He was tons of fun on the episode. Mm-hmm. He seems like a really really chill, enjoyable kind of uh, presence, mm-hmm. and I really like. Uh, I really liked him on that episode. Yeah. Uh, I'm you know I'm saying that in a vacuum. Like if if I didn't know he was Post Malone going into that episode, that's kind of the way that I look at it. Yeah. Uh, and I do person. think yeah he was a really really good guest on the show. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I was worried that it would be kind of one of those episodes where it was like oh they're starstruck and and it's like oh it's Post Malone yeah, gotta let like, him wink and things him, like yeah. no I feel like it was a genuine mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was really enjoyable to watch. Really liked it. If you haven't watched it, definitely check it out. Definitely, yes. yeah. Uh, and I do think that this could genuinely bring in a large influx of casual mm-hmm. players to Magic, mm-hmm. which would be really great. And I think that Command Zone is seeing the same thing uh, mm. because leading up to the episode, they posted a couple of videos about how to play Magic. Yeah, yeah. They it are is. anticipating Post Malone fans, With mainstream pop culture fans, uh, kind of being brought into the hobby. Which I would really like to see. I would love to see more people playing Magic. Magic mm. hitting the mainstream in a way that D and D has the last yeah. few yeah. years. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't think that there's any real benefit to gatekeeping the hobby. I think that the more people playing it, the better. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is, uh, yeah, a, an exciting thing to happen for the Magic community and a genuinely enjoyable, well-produced piece of content from yeah. uh, Command Zone. Uh, I, I commend the effort. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been in the works for a good couple months now. Mm. Um, they put in tons of effort into it, which is really, really, it's always good to watch uh, Command Zone. 
they're just one of the best creators of content in the magic industry I'd say mm-hmm. yeah they're super entertaining super entertaining really good and they have the new intro music now that Post Malone <laughs> yeah that Post Malone produced, produced. Or, yeah, yeah. Did. which created. is really cool. yeah. created yeah. Uh, okay so I have a little game for us to play yes oh another um, game it's uh, yeah, mine related to yes. the shut up <laughs> <laughs> related to the adventures in the forgotten realms um, we've seen a couple of cards be spoiled mm-hmm. uh, we won't touch on all of them but what we're seeing is um, uh, wizards taking iconic parts of D&D and turning them into magic cards mm-hmm. so for example Tasha's hideous laughter is a spell in D&D um, let me read it out to you guys so you mm-hmm. know what it does so it's uh, uh, a creature of your choice that you can see within range perceives everything as hilariously funny and falls into fits of laughter if this spell affects it. The target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or fall prone, becoming incapacitated and unable to stand up for the duration. A creature with an intelligence score of four or less isn't affected. Sounds funny. Is that all um, card? No, this, no is this is the D&D spell. Oh, right. Yeah. I was like, what? Uh, at the end... <laughs> At the end of each of its turns, and each time it takes damage, the target can make another wisdom saving throw. The target has advantage on the saving throw if it's triggered by damage. On success, the spell ends. So that's what it does in D&D. You cast this spell on a target and they fall into fits of laughter and this makes them prone and and, and incapacitates them. It seems like it's very basically translated into magic. (laughs) If we go over the card now, which is... Uh, So the magic card... The magic card mm. is um, a sorcery, one blue-blue, and it reads, Each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until that player has exiled cards with total mana value 20 or more. Mm. So, how do you get from that D&D spell to this magic card? What are the links? What are the themes? And then once we've talked about that, we're going to move on to some other really key parts of D&D. And I want to talk about how you guys would turn them into magic cards. So what do you think of Tasha's Hideous Laughter? I think it's a cool card. Um, I can't actually think of any immediate links to that the spell that you just went over. Mm. Okay, thank Um, God. (laughs) I thought it was just me with absolutely no knowledge of D&D. I was like, I don't. The only thing that I can think of is that I'm assuming the 20 has to do with like... 20 being like an iconic number in D&D maybe? Is that a thing? Yes, 20 is an iconic number in D&D. Yeah. You might see it as something like um uh you know, they exile cards until they hit mana value of 20 yeah. or more. So that's and like so that's like their saving throw, throw. yeah, right. um uh, for them breaking the spell. <laughs> um saving throw totally. Uh, Roll a tiny sided dice. Yeah, in yeah. D&D uh, if you are under the effect of a, a spell or something, anything goes wrong. Really, anything happens in D&D. You roll a dice to see whether you're successful or not. A saving throw is a roll that you make to get out of a bad situation, basically. Uh, and if you succeed, you get out of it. If you don't, you're still in it. Okay. So with this, each card that you mill is kind of like adding to your throw. Yeah. Until you get to 20, mm-hmm. you've succeeded, then you get out of it. Um, the link that I see is that this is a. This is kind of a. I mean, it's kind of like psychic damage. Mm. Um, it's a. It's a spell that affects the mind. Okay. Yeah. And that makes milling sense. Uh, in in magic. Whilst this isn't strictly milling because you're exiling cards off the top of the library, but milling is typically uh, linked to corrupting or, or, or destroying someone's mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. Yeah. Like millstone uh, is milling. Uh, 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 like it is uh, <laughs> uh, like oh, what am I trying to say? Um, if your library is all of your knowledge, your book of spells, then milling that is yeah, kind of like, like re- disrupting it. Yes, yeah. So it's it's okay. it's attacking the mind directly. Yeah, that that's the sense. link. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we're kind of talking about. And you want us to do that with other things? You're with, other, with other with other D yes. spells. I'm assuming you've chosen them less complicated yeah, than Tishan and laughing. Loving, you assume really. incorrectly. Oh no! Okay. Well, this should be fun. <laughs> so. Sammy, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna read we'll out. Go back together. Yeah, I'm no, that's out. what I'm saying, Sammy. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna read out some D and D stuff, mm-hmm. and you guys tell me how you would put this into a magic card. What kind of magic card it would be? So we'll start Sweet. with Abby Dalzim's horrid writing. Okay. Um, so this is an eighth level spell. So it is a powerful spell. Right. Uh, eighth level, I think, is the highest. 
okay. uh, uh, level of spell. I, I haven't played D&D in a while, so that could be completely wrong. Um, you draw moisture from every creature in a 30-foot cube centered on a point you choose. Each okay. creature in that area must make a constitution saving throw. Constructs and undead aren't affected, and plants and water elementals make this saving throw with a disadvantage, which means they're less likely to pass. That means they roll two dice for it and they take the lowest score, so they're, less, they're more likely to be affected. Uh, a creature takes 12d8 necrotic damage, which is a lot of necrotic damage, uh, on a failed save or half as much on an unsuccessful one. Non-magical plants in the area that aren't creatures, such as trees and shrubs, wither and die instantly. Oh, okay. Um, so to sum that up, you draw in moisture from everything in a 30-foot radius and uh, deal a ton of damage to any organic material. Robots and undead aren't yeah. affected. How would you guys turn that into a magic card? Board wipe on specific creatures. So, so how would that read? Sammy, how would that read? <laughs> you said it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've picked what it is. You make so it sound magic-y. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it would be a black sorcery. Maybe like a black one. Like maybe like... I don't, I don't want to think about it too much in terms of how they would actually make it a card. Because mm-hmm. then I'm going to be like, oh, it has to be like a four or five mana board wipe. Otherwise yeah. it play. But so I, I would say like a black sorcery. Um, I don't think they would have the specific creature keywords on there because that would make for too long a, a text, I think. I agree. So yeah. I think it would say something like uh, destroy or deal. Hmm. So you're draining the you're draining the moisture. So maybe it's like dra- uh, drain, like actual drain effect. So you deal damage and take life from it, uh, gain life back. Interesting. So possibly destroy all creature, all non-black creatures, any creatures destroyed this way, you gain life equal to their collective toughness. That's, I mean, that's interesting. Cool I like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe you just drain the life from green creatures. Okay. And then yeah. deal the damage to all the others. To kind of yeah, to try to emphasize, that. yeah, that, that you, you know, plants play. and water elementals. You've had time to think about all these. You can't play. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> but you guys are uh, kind of terrible ideas. <laughs> Excuse um, me. I can still play. I no, want to be part of the conversation. It is. It is in the school of necromancy in D anD. d So yeah, I think so it probably would spell. be black. Uh, it would be an expensive board wipe. Yeah. It, I think it would. I'd, I think it would be a, a damaging board wipe. Yeah. Not destroy. Well, like yeah. minor. So okay. maybe like a five mana deal. A bunch of damage. Seven uh, damage. What would be yeah. like a normal number? I don't know, but <laughs> oh uh, maybe it's a minus minus. Okay, that's also an option. However, I think if you're going to drain from it, then well, that's because because like things like Erebus intervention is like minus X gain X life. Oh yeah, things okay. like that. Yeah. So maybe maybe it could be an X board wipe. So it's like a black X, mm-hmm. and you deal each creature gets minus X. So you pay like five mana. Each creature gets minus four. You gain X life where X is the... What amount of creatures destroyed that way or something? I guess just like gain X life. Or yeah. gain X life, yeah. Yeah. You gain double X life if it targets a... If it hits a group, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a hard, it's a hard one to translate. Oh, it's a, yeah, it is. I th- we don't want to strictly make a card. I think just throwing the ideas out yeah. is good enough. Um, so, <clears throat> this uh, the last clause of the spell as well. Non-magical plants in the area that aren't creatures, such as trees and shrubs, wither and die instantly. Oh, okay. Um, what do you guys think of a board wipe that forests. that yeah makes forests <laughs> only tap for colorless? I think that's until cool. end of turn. Yeah, turns forests into wastes. I think that's really cool. That would be pretty sweet. That would be pretty that would sweet. Be pretty yeah. cool. I don't know if it would see too much application, like in terms of like uh, being a good mechanic, but that would be yeah. a really nice mechanic really to see. Cool. It would be a bit heavy on the green hate, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Ima- yeah. Imagine if we had we had board wipes or spells that could turn you know lands. I could quests. see it being like an eight mana sorcery or seven mana sorcery, and mm-hmm. until end of turn, until your next turn, uh, forest only tap for colorless mm-hmm. so on their turn for at least one turn they can't use their yeah. green mana that i can see happening for mm-hmm. like really expensive yeah um that'd be really sweet yeah mm-hmm. i like that okay there you go, wizards. <clears throat> um so let's look at another one this one really iconic <clears throat> to dungeons and dragons it's a creature and so i'm going to show you guys a picture of this cool it is 
the Tarask. So the Tarask is a gargantuan monstrosity. It's unaligned, so it's not necessarily evil. It's just okay. a beast. It's incredibly strong. Um, low intelligence. No magic, but it's you know very, very high strength constitution. I can definitely see where this is going. Uh, it has a bunch of damage immunities, a bunch of condition immunities. It's uh, uh, blind, but it has blind sight, so I think it can detect things. Okay. Oh wait, no. Uh, I think blind sight means it actually it can. Uh, it can see. It can, it, <laughs> <laughs> I think blind sight means it can see in pitch black. Okay. So oh. it, I think it doesn't have eyes, but it I has mean, senses. Blind sight, that that makes sense. sense. Yeah. yeah. Like. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Daredevil. Uh, it has magic resistance. It has an ability called reflective carapace, which means it's basically it. Sometimes it can reflect. Uh, like magic missile spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it deals double damage to objects and structures. Uh, it has a bunch of different attacks. We're going to skip over all of those. It has frightful presence, which means that if you see it, there's a chance that you will become frightened for a minute in the game. Um, uh, and let me read to you. The uh, the kind of law text from D&D for okay. the Tarask. See if this gives you any ideas about how you'd put it into a magic card. The legendary Tarask is possibly the most dreaded monster of the material plane. It is widely believed that only one of these creatures exists, though no one can predict where and when it will strike. Mm-hmm. A scaly biped, the Tarask is 50 feet tall and 70 Jesus. feet long, weighing hundreds of tons. It's insane. It carries itself... How does it hide? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how no one can behind see it. Behind a tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it carries itself like a bird of prey, leaning forward and using its powerful lashing tail for balance. Its cavernous maw yawns wide enough to swallow all but the largest creatures, and so great is its hunger that it can devour the populations of entire towns. The destructive potential of the Tarask is so vast that some cultures incorporate the monster into religious doctrine, Mm. weaving its sporadic appearance into stories of divine judgment and wrath. Legends tell how the Tarask slumbers in its secret lair beneath the earth, remaining in a dormant state for decades or centuries. When it awakens, in answer to some inscrutable cosmic call, it rises from the depths to obliterate everything in its path. Wow. I have some thoughts for this, Mm -hmm. I think. You go first, Sarah. Oh, I I, I have so much information, I'm not going to lie. I don't know, just a massive creature. That's that's my What colours? Red, I think. Okay. Interesting. But that might just be because I'm looking at the thing and it's I would sort of red. So I, I, I at first I thought it'd or be green? red, red, green. I'm leaning towards green. I was leaning to red, green because yeah. it's kind of unaligned giant creature. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking maybe black as well because of even though it's an unaligned creature, it's it seems like it's one of those like evil kind of. It has a bit of a. I mean, it sounds terrifying. Sounds terrifying. It doesn't. It it doesn't seem that it has an agenda. Yeah. It seems that it's just blind destruction. So I don't think. Maybe not black. Okay. I think green and red. In that case, I would imagine it as a five mana legendary crawl creature with hexproof and can't be countered. Mm -hmm. Eight eight with death touch trample. Okay. Where's the death touch coming from? That's why I wanted it to be black. (laughs) (laughs) Because you want it to have death touch. Well, it makes sense because it. It deals like double damage to structures. I can imagine it just tramples over things, and yeah. Death Touch would help with the trample. Cause what if it had okay. like a Gem Razor ability where it can oh, okay. attack destroy... and destroy artifacts? Oh, yeah, okay. That um, makes sense. Or maybe it destroys walls or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so maybe maybe when it has trample, and if this creature is blocked by a wall, target destroy that wall so the trample yeah. damage goes straight through. Uh, walls are normally pretty irrelevant in MTG, though. Uh, yes, so the, the bit it's... that I really like about this um, is. Again, this uh, this last bit where uh, uh, the the Tarask slumbers in its secret lair beneath the earth, remaining in a dormant state for decades or centuries. Mm-hmm. So again, what if um, there was a legendary land, kind of like, like the we saw dark in depths? Uh, yeah, like dark dark depths, which makes Merit Lage, yeah. uh, or even similar to like Legion's Landing. When yeah. maybe you have a legendary land that flips, yeah. or you sacrifice it, and make a Tarask token, yeah. mm-hmm. um, 
or okay, something yeah. like that. But yeah, you have a land and you have to do something Perhaps. with that land. Maybe pour a bunch of mana into it to make a Tarask token so it's like it comes from the land. You have to like sacrifice and feed creatures to it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that could be uh, that could be a cool uh, a cool feature. But ultimately, I think, yeah, big, green, stompy creature. Another thing I think as well, because it's blind and has blind sight, I think it should have the clause that it attacks every combat. Okay. okay, so it doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't know if it's it can't, it can't, reason yeah, it to attack, to attack. Or not, yeah. I think it should have Hexproof, too. You said Hexproof. It, I said Hexproof, yeah. did I? Oh, you did? Hexproof yeah, and can't be countered, because it's like protection mm-hmm. from like... Yeah, magic resistance, magic. it has reflective carapace. Um, is it a legendary creature? Yes. Yeah. The Tarrasque? Yeah, because it's, or, or because it's the own... It's, it's the own well, yeah, the people only speculate one. it's yeah. the only yeah. one. Yeah, well, the, the D&D lore around this creature is really, really cool. There is a theory, I don't know if it's confirmed or not, that the Tarrasque is actually like an insect from another Ooh. universe where there are many Tarasks. Okay. Uh, and it's a really common creature over there. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the power Sounds level... Like a fun place. <laughs> yeah, the power level s- scales so wildly that yeah. one Tarask exists in the Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. and it's, like, the most incredibly powerful Someone piece. get the Tarask swatter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that's an insect, what... what are the animals there? Yeah, this is, you know, that's that's kind of the... 50 um, feet. Wide. 70 feet, 70 feet long, wide yeah. and 50 feet tall or something, right? Jesus. Yeah, um, anyway, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I think we got that one I, I would love to see a Taras card. I, I'd be surprised if we didn't see one, to be honest. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so iconic in D&D. It's yeah, so like, They have Tiamat, um, mm-hmm. which is like the most iconic. So yeah, it would be nice to see some cool other iconic creatures. Well, speaking of Tiamat, um, we mentioned a couple of episodes, episodes ago, will we see a Bahamut card? Okay. Um, so let me tell you guys about yeah. Bahamut. Bahamut. So, uh, Bahamut was the dragon god of justice and a subservient deity to Torm, the god of law, mm-hmm. before entering the Faerunian pantheon. Uh, he was a, a member of the Draconic pantheon and mm-hmm. a deity of good dragons, metallic dragons, wisdom, and enlightened justice. Uh, Sounds like white. Which is justice mm-hmm. tempered with mercy and punishment for with forgiveness. Um uh, what does it look like? I will, so it's a platinum dragon. Oh. Looks like this. Ooh, that's um, really cool. Bahamut is... Uh, so, yeah. So I think dragons are shapeshifters. Uh, platinum dragons, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bahamut's natural form is a platinum dragon. Um, and uh, Bahamut's eternal rival is his sister, Tiamat, who is the queen of the chromatic okay. dragons. Mm. So we've seen Tiamat printed. Mm-hmm. She is the queen of chromatic dragons. and She's a five-color card. What do you guys think Bahamut could be? So, colorless then. I was thinking colorless and with like a five color ability. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I think that would make more sense that yeah. it was like this metallic. I don't. It's not actually a metallic dragon, but like a well, it's a platinum dragon. Yeah, I would imagine it's kind of colorless. Um, has a five mana ability, so it still has a five color identity. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that seems to be the theme with dragons. It's like five color, all powerful. Um. It's hard to envision what kind of abilities it should have. Something like Ramos Dragon Engine, which yeah. is a colourless dragon. Or the Chrome, the Chrome Dragon one that was yeah. from like M nineteen or something, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, similar kind of idea. I would actually like to see a move away from that because that's fairly common. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that was what it was. But I would like to see this be a colourless dragon, maybe with just a white ability. Okay. Because yeah. because the like it seems Justice. like yeah. characteristically, Divinity. Yeah, yeah, Bahamut's very rooted in white. Um, and I would like to see something like protection from multicolored, okay, or maybe yeah. like an Ugin-like effect where right. Ugin wipes out everything that's one or more colors, colors, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe something like that, because uh, Bahamut's rival is uh, the Chromatic Dragons. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Something to do with against multicolor. Mm. Like so maybe Bahamut is uh, yeah uh, particularly good against multicolor decks or something like that. Makes sense. That'd be cool. Mm. Any other thoughts on Bahamut? Yeah, I'm not too sure. It's quite a difficult one to translate, but mm. that's really cool. Really if we cool see it, it, it will almost certainly be like a mythic in the set. It oh, would yeah. Be, yeah. Again, super iconic D&D, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw this. That's pretty cool. I like that. Um, another really iconic monster in D&D, mm-hmm. which you may recognise, um, is the Mind Flayer. Whoa. So I do not recognise that. It looks awesome. I do recognise that. What else is that <laughs> looks in? like Cthulhu. Yeah, so uh, mind flayers, also known as the Illithid, are kind of uh, Lovecraftian-esque creatures. Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, 
Love H.P. Lovecraft was author? the author who wrote oh. uh, the stories that contained Cthulhu. Cool. So Lovecraftian is kind of a reference to a style of writing. I suppose. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, I just know Cthulhu is a big squid boy. Big squid boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Uh, so mind flayers, also known as mind rulers, um, were sadistic aberrations feared by sentient creatures on many worlds across the multiverse due to their powerful psionic abilities. From their twisted lairs deep in the Underdark, these alien entities sought to expand their dominion over all other life forms, controlling their minds to use them as obedient thralls. They consumed their victims' very personality by extracting and devouring their brains while they were still alive. Jeez. So what do you guys think uh, Mind Flayers could be if we turn them into magic cards? Dimir, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah Gotta be blue-black. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Good. That's 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100% blue-black. Not a legendary, then, because it seems like a, it's like a race of creatures. Uh, yeah. So I agree. Uh, maybe, yeah, a race of creatures wouldn't be legendary, but... Based on the fact that mind players are so intelligent and powerful that they're feared across the multiverse, not just on the Forgotten right. Realms, you can make mm. it be planeswalkers. I think that we uh, a planeswalker would be sense. really yeah. cool, um, and I think that um, the there would definitely be a, a mind control aspect, a, a control target creature. Mm. Right? Are they? I don't know if you'll know this. Are they generally like a a pack? Like, do they? Can you do you, they usually stick together as like a tribe? They usually work in communities. Yeah. Yes. So, however, if you had a single mind flayer, I wouldn't be surprised. Like they're very, very intelligent. Yeah. So you can think so, of them okay. like humans. Uh, that that makes that sense. Because I was thinking, what if it was like um, a multi-character planeswalker, planeswalker. Ah, like a planeswalker like card, but there's but... like three, okay, yeah. maybe three of them on there. That's interesting. Cool. Or like some kind of group effect. Yeah. I think it were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it'll be a tribe in the set. Or is that a bit too OP? <laughs> I, I think that adding a new set, uh, sorry, adding a new creature type like Mind Flayer yeah. is problematic because yeah, I agree. It, it'll just never have the support in future. Mm. In future sets, it's, yeah. it's too specific. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, like, you're probably more likely to just make it maybe a wizard or something. Right. Uh, yeah. And then it then it can go into wizard decks and it has support. Yeah, makes so, more sense. Okay. Um, I think that, I think, uh, not really mentioned here is that the mind flayers um one of the races that they completely dominated already are the githyanki mm. um who are this race of uh kind of they're very tall and yellow they're similar to humans mm. but taller and more yellow um uh okay and uh they have uh, uh so the githyanki are pretty much all uh th- like they have a very very they're dominated by by mind players. Okay. Uh, the, their role in D anD D is almost always that of the rebellion against mind players. Okay. And so, um, there's this kind of history for mind players of uh, having control of a specific race, right? So, mm. what if it was a mind flayer planeswalker? Uh, as it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type, right. and then it has an ability like some kind of benefit against plus one counter, gain control of target creature of the chosen creature type yeah. until end of turn um, or until the end of your next turn or something like that uh, then there's also this bit um, uh, they consumed their victims very personality by extracting and devouring their brains while they were still alive Jesus. so <laughs> what if uh, you could use an activated ability of this planeswalker to sacrifice uh, a creature of the chosen type mm-hmm. that you don't con- uh, that that you don't own or something like that, um, and then Mind Flayer becomes a copy of that creature until end of turn, or un- uh, or becomes a copy of that creature and has all of its planeswalker abilities as well. What do you guys think of that? I think that so I, d- I glossed over that ability where they kind of take that uh, personal that form mm. that could probably even make them shapeshifters. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. I think that would be really cool, like a shapeshifter planeswalker or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a, like a legendary planeswalker, and it has a creature. To, oh, maybe that doesn't work too well. Maybe they cut me. I don't know. Um, but if it were like a legendary creature uh, or a creature, I think yeah, it should have shapeshifter. Yeah. Um, and that would fit into the theme of like choosing the creature type when it enters, and that's what you like. Sort of like round walker chooses. You have to choose a creature type when it enters, mm-hmm. so it becomes that one. 
Um, so like a very anti-tribal car. Anti-tribal car, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Which, Which could be really be cool. Really cool. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that would be pr- pretty awesome. Uh, and I think I want that, to see all of these in the <laughs> set now. I think that having like it being only really able to affect a tribe makes it very very powerful against tribal decks, but mm-hmm. also like balances it a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. if you can't take control of anything else unless you flicker the thing or something. Yeah, uh, then I think that's somewhat balancing. I, yeah, I think chances are it'd be more of a sideboard kind yeah. of option. Yeah, I really like that. That's really cool. Cool creature. Yeah, mind player, and again, so iconic in D anD. d Kind of like the Beholder, uh, like really iconic for D anD. Is that the no. one that's like a big eye? Yes. So that there is a card for that. Um, mm-hmm. They released the artwork for it. They haven't released what the card oh, okay. is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is why I didn't put it on this list. Yeah, <laughs> we, we know it's coming. Maybe I should have. Uh, but that, yeah, maybe that I, I really all of these other ones. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw all of these cards printed in magic and I'll be interested I'm really excited for the set now what if if we get none of them that's really disappointing what if if us right now has done a better job (laughs) they're just listening to a podcast like oh man what do we do (laughs) okay there's a couple more that I want to look at these are both equipment okay so you might like these Sam okay Um, I like equipment the first one here is Ring of Winter so Ring of Winter is an artifact Mm -hmm. um And it has the chaotic evil alignment, which means that it is evil, but it doesn't really follow any rules but its own. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, there are some people like if you if you're. Um, it's like that meme chart. Yeah. What's the opposite of chaotic? Lawful. Lawful. Yeah. So if you're lawful evil, then you might be like evil, but like following like a god. Yeah, following a code mm. uh, of some kind. Uh, uh, but this is chaotic evil. Um, so the Ring of Winter has, uh, so it, it's a, so the Ring of Winter is a gold featureless band that is constantly covered in a layer of frost that never melts. Uh, it's okay. extremely cold to the touch and could numb the hand of its wearer. And it doesn't seem cold to anybody who's attuned to it. So anybody who's got it equipped. Um, now what it can do is there's, there's a number of things. One it makes it impossible for the wearer to be detected through divination magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it renders its wearer immune to cold and aging. Um, it also constantly attempts to take control of its wearer and compel them to cause unnecessary harm or destruction. Okay. So with those three abilities, uh, what do you think that the Ring of Winter could look like as a magic card? I reckon it would be a colorless equipment artifact with a black mana ability. Maybe a black mana ability, maybe blue. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go with black because it's like really evil. Uh, and you can equip it to an opponent's creature instead. Uh, and if you do, that creature taps and doesn't untap. And its controller's untap phase. Mm-hmm. But it has hex proof as well. And maybe can't be blocked. Yeah, it, um, ha- it, it mm. gains a bunch of like power ups at the cost of you have to find some way to untap it, yeah. and then when it does attack, it then stays that way. Like you have to keep finding ways to untap it. I like the idea of this card, uh, given that it's uh, it's constantly trying to take control of its wearer. Mm. Um, I like the idea of it being a little bit random. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe you you can equip it to an opponent's creature. It taps it, and then it doesn't untap. Mm. But. Um, in your upkeep, you, your opponent flips a coin, or maybe in the context of this set, rolls a dice, rolls a dice yeah. um, to untap the creature, and then it, then it is untapped. Uh, but it also can't be blocked. Mm. So that's kind of like, it's uh, maybe very, very cheap and efficient as a kind of removal spell, in a way. But there's a chance that it doesn't work, and they overcome it, and then they're a little bit more powerful because they can't be blocked. That would mm. be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what, some of my thoughts on this card. Anything else? Any other thoughts on Ring Probably of Winter? A legendary artifact. The Ring of Winter. Mm-hmm. Well, not even. Yeah, just just like sort of like Great Henge and uh, like because yeah, I, I would imagine playing against a bunch of those would be annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine it'd be legendary just for like the more iconic. Well, I guess a lot of the D and D stuff is iconic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then like the normal minions and stuff will probably be in the set, so that won't be mm. legendary. I hope. Yeah, I guess I have gravitated more towards um, the actual cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but this next one uh, isn't legendary. Mm. This is the Moonblade, 
And Ooh. there are many Moonblades. Moonblades is a, is a common weapon among the Moon Elves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moonblades are long swords wielded by Moon Elves that have uh, a moonstone in the pommel of each sword. Mm-hmm. So um, each wielder of the sword contributes a power to the sword, right. which would be absorbed into the moonstone in the blade's pommel. However, uh, the wielder could not be separated from the sword for any length of time and expect to live. Each Moonblade is, uh, ends up being unique and uh, depending on the powers that are in them. Um, and some of them uh, are, have this additional ability where they can summon an elf shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Moonblade is, is basically, uh, if you attune to one, if you get one, then you have access to all the powers within it. You add your own power to it, but should you ever separate from it, uh, like abandon it, I think it kills you. Right. So it kind of compounds power. Uh, compounds power. How do you think this could work as a magic card? There's a similar kind of equipment in your taste. Yeah, deck, that's what right? I think. Is it skull clamp? Not. I can't remember if it's skull clamp or isn't oh, it that oh, one? Um... What does it do? Like. I can't remember what the equipment I, I do see this as skull clampy though. Yeah. It, well, in the sense that skull clamp is when you remove it from the creature, that creature dies. Yeah. Which is why it's in taste because it's a sacrifice deck. But there is another one that does yeah, a similar yeah. thing. I Either way, I think it would be similar kind of effect. Like it, it grants great powers to the equipped creature. And you say it's based off of what the creature themselves have. Like the creature adds a power to it or something yes each wielder contributed a power contributed to a power. each sword so maybe it could be sort of like um like for each creature this equipment has been attached to like it gets an extra like charge counter or something mm-hmm. uh, so how, how can you word it like when you attach it to a creature put a charge counter on this it's sort of like mace of the valiant yeah um and then the more creatures it's been onto the more powerful it is as an equipment yeah possibly mm. What, like that. what about um, if it was like a keyword stealer? So let's say mm. the base card uh, can be equipped and then it gives plus one, plus one, plus, plus two, plus two, something like that. Uh, but then I can't think how this would work with rules, but if the equipped creature dies, which it does if you unattach it, yeah. um, uh, similar to Skull... No, not Skull Clamp, similar to Grafted War Gear. That's it, Grafted War Gear. Yeah. Um, uh, then, so it could read something like uh, put a number of one-one counters on Moonblade equal to the power of the creature. Mm. Um, if that creature had flying, put a flying counter on Moonblade. Okay, yeah. Um, and do the same for Vigilance, mm. Lifelink, Death yeah. Touch, all of those. Uh, and then when Moonblade becomes equipped to another creature, move all counters from Moonblade onto that creature. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then, so so it's almost like a blend between Ozolith and Grafted Wargear. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure that'd be an easier way to... Uh, easier that, way to, yeah. to I know exactly what you're going for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, what do you guys think of that? Do you think that could be a cool thing to explore? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it'd be really, really sweet. That sounds sounds like a cool weapon. And any other thoughts on what Moonblade could be? What what How this could work in Magic? Uh, I'm not sure. So it doesn't have to be a blade necessarily. Like the we know that the the blade is just holding the the moonstone. Yeah. Uh, so maybe moonstone is an artifact that we see. It could be a mana rock. Uh, I would imagine kind. it's more likely to be an equipment though, right? Uh, moonblade, I think, would be. An oh equipment. right, but then yeah. the actual. But moon. imagine if you just had the moonstone in the pommel, mm. and so it's capable of absorbing the power. Of creatures that die near okay. it, so similar to like the Ozolith as a natural artifact. Yeah, yeah. So okay. yeah, it could be very similar to the Ozolith, um, which is a very, very good, very good card. Honestly, mm. I think that you could take a Moonstone and just straight up replace it with the Ozolith, and it could be like a one for one replacement. I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I could see that working. Um, and then there's that whole bit about the elf shadow as well. So maybe, oh God, like, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's like a sigiled sword of Valoron, um, okay, where yeah. when the creature, equipped creature, attacks, you create, you create attacking... yeah, like an attacking elf yeah. shadow. Okay, yeah, that that would be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Would it yeah. be something to do with elf tribal then? 
Because Elf Dragle is prevalent <sighs> with Kaldheim, yeah, Black Green Elves. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's cheaper to equip for Elves, or yeah, maybe it's or only works on Elves. Works on elves yeah. uh, I don't know. That'd be pretty cool to see, though. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's all that I had planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that what this shows is that there are some really, really cool um, elements of D&D. Yeah. Uh, it is a game that's been running for a very, very long time. It's mm-hmm. steeped in history, and there is such a deep, rich lore. And I am really excited to see some of the magic cards that come out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. I think it's going to be a really enjoyable set, especially now after this episode. Like, there's, there's like I really want to see Mind Flayers. Yeah, Mind really cool. Flayers would be really mm-hmm. cool. It looked cool, really cool, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, so... Hopefully we get to see some cool stuff from Wizards, yeah. and uh, yeah. So I let Sarah win this one time we played Mario Kart and Arcade, mm-hmm. and then she thought she was better than me in Mario Kart for the longest time. Yeah. And so then we got the Switch, yeah. and we bought Mario Kart. And I showed her how actually good I am. Yeah, so and she we... still thinks that I didn't let her win. No. Because... Like, I, I, <laughs> I didn't play Mario Kart at we... all between between you winning and, and us picking up the Switch. And I, like, she didn't even have to drift. She didn't even have to drift. I think what we discovered is I'm a better <laughs> driver than you. Because in the arcade, it was a proper setup show. Yeah. With the steering wheel and everything. And I stomped you. And I also stomped you at any game with any physical fitness. 